What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Word on the Block. I'm Sal, joined by Joe and Keith, as always, and we have some serious MLB news just before we got on the air. Fernando Tatis, 14-year deal, staying with the San Diego Padres, $340 million. Guy's only 22, got it before his arbitration. Absolutely ridiculous. What are your, what are you guys' thoughts about this? I, I know we had a whole show planned, but this kind of took over. We had to bump this up to the number one spot. So uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about Tatis and that mega deal? Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't working today, we probably wouldn't have even got this story in. It literally came out, what, an hour ago? Um, but I think one of the craziest things that I, I think I just saw John Heyman tweet it, he just – well, he's had two years of service, right? Um, the previous record for contract with someone of two years of service was Mike Trout. He made $140 million in that contract. Fernando Tatis is making in this contract two almost $200 million more than that. So this is like, I mean, like you were saying before, Sal, this could end up being the new normal where these guys just push for contracts as early as possible. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but my personal opinion on it is I'm, I'm giving this guy this contract 10 out of 10 times, a hundred percent. I am not playing around. Um, I know that, you know, Nick before in the group chat was saying, uh, I'm not giving 14 years to, well, come on, stop it. For, Fernando Tatis is already a top 10 player in the MLB. He's 22 years old and he's just going to keep getting better. Um, he could have been the MVP last year. I would do it 10 out of 10 times. Keith, what about you? Well, as a very big fan of the Padres, I, this was a no brainer in any way you look at it. Fernando Tatis is a generational talent, and you've seen it from the moment he's stepped onto the field for the Padres. He really just changed the whole, or like the whole feeling of this team. Like when Machado signed there was now two years ago. Yeah, two years ago Machado signed there, and people were like, "Why is he going to the Padres? The Padres have no future. They're not making the playoffs anytime soon." He gets there. Fernando Tatis comes into into the league and. They made the playoffs last year, and they seriously had a chance to go far in the playoffs, I felt. And now with the added pitching additions, this team is going up against the Padres, potentially as the NLCS matchup against the, the next Dodgers. year. Mm. What did I, did I say the Padres? Yeah. Sorry, I'm excited. Um, yeah, but against the Dodgers. like This is a – I guess you could say it's an arms race in the NL West right now for – Who's really going to make the World Series out of these two teams? Because I think anybody would be very surprised if it wasn't one of these two teams coming out of the National League to represent in the World Series as it is right now. Interesting take, Keith. Don't forget about uh, the Braves. Yeah, but Sal, as you know, we're going to talk to, talk about this. A lot of people aren't that high on the Braves for some reason this year. Hey, what about the Mets? Come on. Again, <laughs> another team. Those yeah. are both teams. The, and the, the NL East is also has two really good teams that can make it far in the playoffs. But we're going to talk about that. Um, just to go into that, Fangraphs did drop their playoff percentages of each team in the MLB and how likely they are to make the playoffs this season. Now, I know one of the more, more I guess, uncharacteristic things we saw was one team got a 0.0% chance of making the playoffs. And Sal, Joe, I know we've talked about a few teams that have been very, very disappointing 
in what their team's going to look like, especially last last week we talked about Nolan Arenado getting traded and the Rockies. They are not the team with 0% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. It is the Baltimore Orioles. Okay, real quick, while we talk about this, right, I think that the worst team in baseball is probably not the Orioles. Like, I think it, I think it could be the Pirates, but I think that the fact that the Pirates – division just isn't it's it's horrible like it's easily the worst division in baseball i think that's why they don't have a 0.0% chance um but if i'm looking at anyone that should have a 0.0 i'm going with the rockies like you said keith uh i feel you know, i feel kind of bad for the orioles i thought that um their offense wasn't that bad last year and i feel like they actually you know got a couple building but i'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs or anything I just think 0.0 is a little bit harsh. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna, like, you look at the AL East, it seems like the whole bottom tier of the AL East is very confusingly structured. We just had the Tampa Rays make the World Series, and they're that they're the fourth best odds of making the playoffs in the AL East. I agree. There, there is a little bit of uh, some discrepancies, a little stuff, some stuff that's very odd about these uh, fan graphs projections, but – like you get like going back to before, there's got to be somebody whether it's a sim, whether they ran a simulation or they're just going off of statistics or analytics that thinks somehow the Colorado Rockies <laughs> have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, uh, I really had, I, don't, I don't have much to say about that, but yeah, like like you said, Keith, the Rays being fourth in the AL East, it's a little weird considering this is a team that went to the World Series. I know they lost Blake Snell, they lost Charlie Morton. There's do there's some regression due for that bullpen, but. To, to, to think that they're the fourth best team in the AL East is kind of ridiculous to me. Another thing that also stood out is uh, the fact that the White Sox were behind the Twins. And I'm not saying, I know it's not completely outlandish, but I think most people, like ask, even asking you guys, I, I would suppose that the White Sox would be higher than Minnesota. Um, well, I was going to say one thing that I noticed, um, which I mean, I guess it doesn't really go for this. Twins White Sox thing I was gonna say that I feel like I feel like pitchers or the way that they use this it's also kind of goes with the Pakota uh with the wins that that type of thing uh I feel like they favor teams that have good pitching but I don't know I could be wrong like I think like like I don't know I the starters like like for the Mets let's say right uh, the Braves have a bunch of unproven guys, or you want to say unproven, they're young guys, like Ian Anderson, for example. But I don't know. I just feel like it favors uh, pitching. Yeah. I mean, you look at these. Joe, I think that you are kind of on something with this with, like, the pitching. But then you could say the Tampa Rays, the Cleveland Indians, teams that continuously have great pitching and always find great pitchers, whether it's bullpen or starting pitcher, both of them have under 20% chance making the playoffs. So whatever this is, is like whatever statistics they're using or algorithm seems to have some flaws in it, I think. Well, yeah. I feel like I feel like the Rays um, being at 18%, we all know that that's crazy. Like that's just – yeah. the Red Sox having a 30% higher chance of them at the playoffs. It's just – it's mind-boggling almost. But I feel like with that, it's kind of like a reason why the Rays win so many games is – because of their strategy and because of their coaching. And it's it's not really like you can simulate that part of the game into it. That's, I think that's a very good point, Joe. And uh, 
even going back to what we were talking about Atlanta, I noticed too, just, just looking at the past um, projections that Fangraphs does, did not like Atlanta last year and the year before that. So this isn't a new thing where like they're projecting the Braves to be at not as good as what people suspect. And now you start to see the Braves were never really a team built on pitching. I think more of last year and then going into this year, their, their pitching has definitely improved going forward, but you know, they're, they're a team that always was hit hitting was the priority the win games with their hitting. But, but now I, I, it just seems like they keep proving these projections wrong. And I think that it's going to be more of the same this year, not, not to say that the Mets won't have a good season or whatever, but I, I if you ask me, I think Atlanta is still the team to beat. Yeah. Um, Sal, I'm just going to throw this in there too. The NL central. I talked about this last year, uh, last week about how Trevor Bauer signed and what just pitched in the worst division in baseball the NL Central's favorite to make the playoffs is the St. Louis Cardinals at 36%. 36%. Neither, none of these five teams have over a 50% chance of making the playoffs. And you're going to tell me that Trevor Bauer deserved the money he got for pitching in that division. Yeah. Four out of the five teams in that division spent pretty much nothing this offseason. They basically literally just sat on their ass and did absolutely nothing. But yet you can argue three out of those four teams have a puncher's chance to still win the division. And make the playoffs. I I can argue that the team that made the best moves in the offseason is the Pirates. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Nolan Arenado obviously for the St. Louis Cardinals was a big move, but Pittsburgh is finally in the, going in the right direction as far as they rebuild. They acquired over close to twenty prospects this offseason just based off a of trade. So it's it, they're definitely moving in the right direction. At least they have a direction. Unlike Chicago, who, who they traded away Kyle Hendricks, they won't trade away anybody else. Milwaukee's kind of stuck in limbo, and so is Cincinnati. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that division. It's definitely going to be interesting, but not really. Question. Serious question. Sal, I know you probably could do it, but I don't know if me or Keith could do it. Name five players on the Pirates because I I seriously don't know if I could do it, bro. I, w- I want to see if you guys can first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've got, like, I've got, I've got Chad Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Gregory Polanco. Gregory yeah. Polanco. Okay, we have two. <laughs> uh, they traded Josh Bell. I was about to say Josh Bell, but they, they traded him. Look at the Yankees trade. Who's that pitcher I like? Oh, um, uh, damn, it's onto my tongue. Oh, wait, no, not a – You guys forgot him? Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> they got Cabrian Hayes, right? Yes. Okay. okay, he's a and a, he's um, a year candidate. So at least they have somebody noteworthy. Yeah, like I know, I know he's like yeah. actually a good young player. Oh, uh, they yeah. have. Oh, they have Brian Reynolds. Oh, they do. So we're no, at four. We only need one more, bro. Who's the Who's like their center fielder though? Like I'm trying to think of like important positions. Like who's center fielder short? is their center fielder is Brian Reynolds, I think. No, no, no. He's a isn't he a second baseman? Or he's a utility guy, I think. No. Their second baseman's Adam Frazier. Five. There you go. Out of boy. Sal. That's five. Yeah. Good job. Look at us. <laughs> Tom, Tom, on him. Uh, Stephen Brault. Yeah. yeah. It's like, bro. It's actually like, I don't it's know sad. how. I don't know how they're gonna like how people are gonna watch any game involving the Pirates. There year. is there is a player on the Pirates dating Vanessa Hudgens now though. Are you serious? Yeah. So uh, she's yeah. the most attractive part of that team right now. Yeah, good chance. <laughs> Do you know right. who it is? Paul Tucker. Okay. I feel like I know who that is. 
Yeah, he's he's a young player. Uh, should see a lot of opportunities on that team. Yeah. So, is there anything else that you guys want to discuss with these? Um, just the NL West. Obviously, the Dodgers and the Padres. The only two teams in this same division have over a ninety something percent chance of making the playoffs. I think. I think it's 97, 96 in favor of the Dodgers. And the Dodgers made a move that we all thought was very important to them. They re-signed Justin Turner to what was the – it was a two-year deal, three-year deal? Two for 34, I think. Yeah, he did, yeah. And one And the one thing that isn't being looked into is the Brewers actually made the same offer. The Brewers, who did nothing all year, decided Justin Turner was the one guy they would go after. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're the Brewers in that case, like – like, do you think that they knew that the Dodgers were offering that? Because if they did know that that was the Dodgers' offer, you got to figure that if he's getting well, the same offer from both teams, he's going to go back to the Dodgers. I he's saw gonna... I saw they were willing to go a fourth year for him. So, wait, what? I, you just said that they offered him. They, they, they offered were, him But they were willing to go four years for a lower AAV. Oh, yeah. Probably would have been like something like, I don't know, four for like 30-something. 40. Maybe they were looking at. Yeah. Four for like 42, maybe. Justin Turner in this stage of his career, you got the Dodgers and you got the Brewers. Which one do you really choose? Even exactly. Walker, that out, like yeah, no. Brewers shouldn't be considered uh, dangerous and stealing Justin Turner away from the Dodgers. It's silly. I mean, I think we, like, even though like Justin Turner is an important part to that team, I do think that the Dodgers could have easily pivoted to this and found another way to fix their. Uh, infield on the left side. They have Gavin Lux coming up. Still have Corey Seager for at least this year. Could have put Gavin Lux at third base if they really did lose Justin Turner. So even though they did resign Justin Turner, I don't think that this would have been a terrible loss for them other than he he was a big guy. He's a big locker room guy, I like to think, and he gets big hits when he needs to. This is, yeah. what's, absurd. This is what's absurd, too, about the Dodgers. I'm glad you mentioned that, Keith. They, they I've never seen a team this good at just gaining talent, being at the top of the league, and also having a ton of young talent. Like, they acquire so much good talent and still find a way to still have excess young prospects or, or players on their bench who are still young or former top prospects that they just haven't touched yet. Like, this is the best team in baseball, and they still have Gavin Lux and a ton of other top 100 prospects or former top 100 prospects or and all these young pitchers like Dustin May and Julio Urias who are – maybe the four or five or maybe, or honestly might not even be in the rotation. That yeah. I, don't, I don't think Dustin may will be because price will be back and Urias might be that fifth starter. So they, they have a ton of young guys and they're still very, very good. It, it's something that it, usually you only see, you know, if a team's at the top of the league, you know, they might've got it out their farm system or they spent a ton of money, but the Dodgers do all three very, very well. It's, it, it's the reason why they're going to be the team to beat again. Watching watching them spend this money on Turner now and just being so far over the luxury, it's just it's sad to see as a Yankee fan. Like we're just tiptoeing the the luxury tact and they're going way over. Yeah, we we yeah. can spend the whole show talking about the Yankees' uh, financial decisions this offseason. Not to say that I'm going to complain about their offseason, but like you said, Joe, the Dodgers spending two hundred fifty something million coming off a World Series win. The Yankees got bounced in the ALDS to a team that has a third of their payroll. And it's just an interesting approach. I hope it pays off, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Dodgers. They went in there. They got Mookie Betts last year. I mean, somehow found a way to keep Gavin Lux in, the, in, in their farm system doing that. 
then went out and got Trevor Bauer this year and now have more talent than last year without losing any farm anybody in your farm system that was really significant. Like that's that just shows that you're a team willing to do whatever it takes to win and you know how hard it is to win a back to back championship in the in the MLB. Yeah, and going back to what I said before too, I'm just gonna put something in perspective. The the Dodgers have a top five catcher who's really, really young, Will Smith is very good. And they have a top catching prospect in their system who they haven't touched in any trade or haven't had to give him up in any sort of deal to acquire any of the superstars or stars or any of the talent they have. They have the best roster in baseball and they still have a ton of prospects, a ton of young players that they just have just in case they need to trade for somebody or later down the road, someone side somewhere else that can easily just slot somebody else in. It's just going to be a constant rotation. It's almost going to come to the point where the Dodgers will be like the Yankees. Well, they'll, they'll just never be bad again. Yeah. All right. I think that's all for baseball, right? So we're going to pivot over to the NBA. And I think we all agree. The big talk of at least the week is that tomorrow night on Thursday, we will be having the Nets play the Lakers for the first time in L.A., the whole season wait um before we get to that uh i mean this kind of loops into it because kevin durant is also missing the game tomorrow yes. but anthony davis being out for at least three weeks or you know i hope it's long i hope that they just hold them out for a while now um this is obviously a huge story i mean yeah. he means so much to the lakers um and I'm not going to sit here and act like this has no effect on the team because obviously, obviously we're, we're going to make the playoffs still. Right. But I just feel like the flow of the season, like just to be a championship team, you need that consistent flow. You need that uh, chemistry. I mean, I know that he has chemistry with everyone on the team already from last year, but it just, I feel like just be this significant of an injury during the middle of the year. It, it really hurts your chances for, for a finals, a, even appearance. I mean, because the Clippers are playing incredible. <clears throat> the Jazz are playing incredible. <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, it, it hurts the Lakers' chances, in my opinion. Yeah, Joe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. This injury, I know it's listed as a calf strain, but we know with Kevin Durant back in the finals now a year and a, two years ago, it really – a year and a half, two years ago, I guess, yeah. It, the calf strain is related to Achilles' injury. He did have the Achilles tendonitis or whatever they called it. it. As a When you have a big man, it's much more difficult to heal from an Achilles injury without losing weight on, on yourself because you're putting so much strain on that part of your body. And Anthony Davis is a very athletic big man and does a lot. Of, he has dribble moves. He can do anything on the court. So it's really scary if he doesn't let this heal properly. The Lakers don't let it heal properly. You could see an Achilles tear, which Joe, I know you were worried was originally what what happened in that game, bro. Let's, I was let's hope I, that doesn't happen because that would probably derail any idea of the Lakers going back to back in the finals, bro. I was, I was, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was scared shitless when he was whole. I saw the picture of him holding yeah. his his Achilles. I was like yo, bro, there's no way this is going to happen right now. But you know what? We just hope well, that – Joe, know, what? just the one thing I want to – we kind of have seen this in recent Achilles injuries, I feel. So, obviously, everyone knows the Kevin Durant story. He had the capturing. 
this kind of Kobe Bryant also kind of had something like this in the same game where he hurt his Achilles the the day the game he tore his Achilles. And no, but he hurt it. He hurt his knee what that that day. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it was Achilles. But still, like the whole leg and same thing. I would I would say like putting strain on any part of your leg is going to affect the rest of your leg. Yeah, I agree. especially when it's the lower half, the entire thing's gonna be affected. So playing through withstanding injuries below the leg is always very scary. Like I said, especially with a big man, like Kevin Durant, we have, has been very lucky. He's not a guy that depends on his weight much. So he's gotten very lucky. He's handled the Achilles recovery very well. Knock on wood as a Nets fan. And as a basketball fan that it stays that way, but yeah. I mean, look, yeah. Just, I mean, honestly, the Lakers botched this, botched this whole thing with Anthony Davis. I mean, I understand it's not a complete Achilles injury or a tear, but this could have been avoided. He shouldn't have been out there. Uh, but they got lucky. Um, they, have, they can redeem themselves. They can hold him out. They should hold him out for however long they need to, like you said, Joe. But, again, they caught a huge break because this could have been really, really bad. And, and like you said, Keith, uh, if this happened to Anthony Davis, I think it would be worse for him then compared to Durant just simply because play style, big man, it's harder to get back into that groove when you come back. Uh, you see it with DeMarcus Cousins. He's not the same player. Not, not to say that Anthony Davis, that, like he can't, he can't overcome it, but I think it definitely would be harder for someone like him. But just look at the Lakers. They'll be fine. Uh, LeBron in that supporting cast is definitely better than the supporting cast he had in 2018 without Davis. But uh, it makes you think, like, will they drop to the third seed? Will it set up a Lakers-Clippers matchup in round two instead of a round three? So th- those, are just, those are just things you can't think about now. But, you know, it's something to think about, I guess, to keep it in your back pocket for the future. But it also might mean that LeBron, LeBron's quest for MVP might have a clear pathway now. Uh, I know we just, we talked about this last week. LeBron, Jokic, KD, and B. Those are some of the guys who are in the mix. But now without Davis, LeBron's going to have to probably play a lot more than he wanted. I know he was playing a lot already, uh, Joey. I know you weren't too happy about that, but now he pretty much has no choice. So he's be playing a lot of minutes. He's gonna be putting up big stats. So if you ask me, I think he might win the MVP now. Yes, yeah, Sal, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that this definitely opens up LeBron for his fifth MVP. That's It's five, right? I think this is his fifth if he gets it. Um, but I want to just tell you guys a little bit why I'm concerned about the injury. Because, number one, like you said, LeBron's going to have to do a lot more now, right, with Anthony Davis, with Anthony Davis out. Um, he's going to have to shoulder a huge load, which he was already playing in overtime games. He was playing 40 minutes in three straight games. Uh, he's averaging th- – He's up to 35 minutes per game now, which is – it's even more than he was playing last year. Last year he he was playing like 33, I think, around there. But that's one reason why it concerns me. Um, a second reason, like I said, is the chemistry. Uh, and you just don't know if Anthony Davis is going to have his rhythm when he comes back. I mean, I hope he does. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm just looking at – let's say we do drop to the three seed or something like that. And we end up playing the Clippers in the second round. And the Clippers have looked very good this year. Paul George and Kawhi look like they have their rhythm. It's just a scary matchup in the second round. I mean. And this is two years in the making. The Clippers have been wait. They didn't get their chance last year for obvious reasons. They choked. They didn't get the job done. But they've been waiting to play the Lakers in the playoffs. And if that time comes, I don't think they're going to squander that opportunity. Not to say that the Clippers will beat the Lakers, but I think they'll come ready this time. 
Yeah, and just focusing on on AD's injury still. Uh, Kevin Durant is also out. Going to miss a couple games. Uh, Keith, he's returning. When? Uh, they don't know when. I assume Sunday. He's been out already two games with a hamstring strain. I don't think it's anything serious. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely nothing compared to Anthony Davis's injury, but no. it does bring up the question, uh, which would have a bigger impact if, say, the Lakers or the Nets were to lose one of these two guys. Would it be a bigger loss for the Lakers or for the Nets? Keith, do you want to uh, go first? Yeah. Uh, first, I, before I go into this, very upsetting that we were just about to have what a lot of people would think was the NBA Finals preview, at least the first game of it. Uh, and now we're missing two of the four best players on these teams combined. Don't know where you put AD and Harden. But in this question, I'm going – the Nets obviously lose more. The Lakers have LeBron James. LeBron James has gone through – so many teams, so many well-built, well-structured teams that if he didn't have to run into the Clippers, I don't think there's a team there that, like, as a Laker fan, I'd be like, we can't beat them in a seven-game series when you have LeBron fucking James. I mean, Keith, I can't disagree with you. We do have LeBron James. He's pretty good, if I'd say so myself. But uh, I just want to make it clear that Anthony Davis is not – he's not like anyone else that LeBron's ever played with, right? So, with Anthony Davis on the floor this – I mean, this year and last year, I think this year he's probably the defensive player of the year front runner. Um, But last year also, I mean, the splits when he's on and off the court, like his player efficiency rating is, is actually better than LeBron's the past couple of years. And obviously, we know he's not better than LeBron, but he – he his, the defense that he brings to the Lakers – I mean, he's almost – I'd say he's a huge reason why they have the number one defense this year. And they lost guys on the inside like McGee and Dwight. And they even – you guys like to make fun of him, but they lost Danny Green on the wing. I feel like they lost some good defenders that the over the past year, and their defense hasn't went down at all. So, Anthony Davis – I mean, while Kevin Durant – I think Kevin Durant's the best player on the Nets. And by default, that'll make him more important to the Nets than it would for Anthony Davis to be to the Lakers. But that's not to say that without Anthony Davis, the Lakers don't make the finals. But like you said, I do think that they can win a couple playoff series with just LeBron James because he is LeBron James. We saw him win playoff series with no one, with Jeff Green as the second best player. Congratulations, Keith. He's your fourth best player. So that means you guys should be able to make the finals. Keith, do you, um, do you, see, do you see the Nets making the finals if – KD was was somehow not there for the playoffs. No, I don't think so. What do you think, Keith? It that is just a matter of you playing matchups and what teams you run into. Then I think, like we saw the Heat do it last year. If you run into the right teams you play, you don't have to be the most talented team on the court to make the finals. So if the Nets were to run into a few teams, I think they could match where their offensive firepower of Kyrie and Harden is good enough to outdo whatever another team could do with the lack defensively, but it would be much, it would be so much more difficult. I would not have any trust in the Nets making the finals, let alone even not even winning it if they were to get there. But now that we're talking about this, like my point was the Lakers are 
are gonna would be able to walk into the final still if if they were to get the right matchups. Like I we're gonna talk about this. I know Phoenix has been has been really good. They've been very impressive. The Jazz have been very impressive. Nuggets are getting back into the top four five seed after they started out slow. But none of those three teams are teams I'm gonna say are gonna beat the Lakers in a seven game series if they have LeBron fully healthy. Question. This is actually I, I'm thinking about it right now. Would you would the Lakers, if they played the same teams they played last year, if you take Anthony Davis out, do they still make the finals? I still think they win the finals. That yeah, so I mean, yeah. What do you think, so? Based on last year, they yeah, I'd say they probably the only it's the tough. Only it really is tough. If if the Heat don't lose Bam and Dragic, I think the Heat can beat the Lakers with no Davis. Okay, but like but let's say the same exact think, thing happened. The same exact thing, thing happened. I would I would I would probably give the edge to to playoff LeBron. That's crazy. Not the Lakers playoff LeBron. I give the edge to. <laughs> Yeah, I think that when you look at it in that way, like say you don't run into the Clippers too, I think are the biggest threat to the Lakers winning the championship in the West. If you don't run into them, you can still make the finals. And Sal, that's why you said if they fall to a three seed, even if, if they drop somehow even lower than the three seed, that's a scary matchup running into them earlier than the conference finals. Yeah. I, I agree, and and just and just the the semi debate you guys had, uh, just looking at the Lakers, um, LeBron would have to like like I said before, LeBron would have to just simply put in more effort going into the playoffs too. Like like down the stretch, like if he's battling, if if seeding does matter a lot for the Lakers, if like say they don't want to play the Clippers in the second round, uh, they want to be number one or or wherever or whatever wherever the chips fall, you have LeBron playing meaningful minutes serious minutes putting in hundred percent down the stretch. It's not, it's not an ideal situation. I'm not saying he can't handle it. He's handled it for years, but it's still not an ideal situation for the Lakers. And then on the flip side, say if KD was not there, uh, the, the, the question does raise, can the Nets make the finals without KD? Because with him, I don't see how any way they, they don't, honestly, just having KD on the floor. Um, everybody else just simply gets more opportunities They have better opportunities to shoot the ball comfortably. Uh, just have just just Katie's presence alone. It, it it's just it changed the whole dynamic for the Nets. But nonetheless, none none of these teams. I, I hope both of them are healthy for the playoffs. Let's just put it out there. I hope both of them are there. Want to see the best product? Uh, a Lakers Nets Finals. This show would be completely electric. Uh, I would enjoy it. These two would probably be very nervous, but AD and Katie have to be on the floor. We need we need that to happen to some capacity. Yeah, like uh, like we've spoken about before. I mean, I think a Lakers Nets Finals would be one of the most anticipated finals in a very long time. Um, but, Sal, what do you think about a Lakers-Knicks finals? Oh, that, that, that would be a little bit more fun than a Lakers-Nets finals, I would probably imagine. Julius Randle getting revenge on his exactly. former Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Oh, like, Julius Randle revenge. He, bro- he broke his foot in his first ever game <laughs> at the Laker, and then he'll probably come back and probably have, like, a 30-point triple-double in Game 7. Yeah. Lock down LeBron and 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 the Knicks will win the championship. Yeah, I mean on a serious note though, you, you got to be uh, very pleased with how the Knicks have been playing recently. Um, like I told you, I told you this when the trade went down. Emmanuel quickly is not going to lose minutes. I mean, 
what is he playing right now? Like 20 minutes a game around there, maybe a little bit less. But that was I, I feel like he hasn't lost a lot of minutes since they traded for Rose. But I think the Rose and quickly pairing besides tonight has actually really worked out for you guys. Yeah, um, I, I don't really want to talk about tonight's game, uh, but yeah, it was a rough one. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely Quickly's worst game of his career. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to see the Knicks are playing good at least up until today. But you know, I, it's just it's not even Rose, honestly. It's more of Alfred Payton just simply getting a ton more minutes. Like I was telling you, Keith, earlier, the starters played over 20 minutes each before anybody on the bench got 10 minutes. Now again, it's past shows. I'm not criticizing Tom Thibodeau. He's been exceptional this year. If the Knicks had a better record, he'd probably be in the conversation for coach of the year just because he has the Knicks being respectable. Everyone, including myself, thought they would be a joke. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I can't complain the way they're playing. They're still in a playoff spot. I get to say that again on this show. The Knicks are in a playoff spot. I think last week they were not in a playoff spot. Now they're back in the playoffs. So hopefully they continue to – keep that spot. They had a chance to win. If they won today, they had a chance. If they won today, the next game after that, they could have been over 500 for the first time in February in over eight years. Uh, You would think we're like the Pittsburgh Pirates or something. We were talking about them earlier, but you know, we're the New York Knicks. We're in a big market, but I guess we're trending in the right direction. I guess I can't complain. Can we, can we talk about how the Knicks uh, like, I think it was last after last game before they lost just now, they were like a game and a half out of the the fourth seed in the East. The fourth seed. There are three teams over 500 in the East right now. It's the the 76ers, the Nets, and the Bucks. And there's and everyone else. the The fourth best team is the Celtics, I think, and the and the Pacers. Those are the two teams, and now they're both under 500. I'm pretty sure they're both 14 and 15, or maybe they're 14 and 14, something like that. It's just it's it's insane to me, and I could we were talking about this before. I could talk about this for days. I feel like Danny Ainge has done a horrible job since that trade that he got Jason Tatum in, and he got Jalen Brown. He got you know when he fleeced the Nets. Since then, they have not made the move that they've had to make. Um, They've just struggled this year. They're they're very low on depth, and yeah, I just he hasn't made smart moves around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and that's it's basically sad. what you can say about it, it. It's sad too because this is a team that's made three conference finals really recently. Like with with this core, I know uh, Kyrie was on the team, but he didn't really play in the playoffs. They made it without him. But with the core, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, those guys, they've made three conference finals, I believe. Or two or three. I'm. 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 Confused. Well, think about it. They they made the one against LeBron when LeBron beat them himself. Yeah. Last year, uh, is there another one that we're missing? They made one with Isaiah Thomas, right? Yeah, yeah that was against like the that. Cavs. Also, that was against the Cavs as well. And then they made it without Kyrie, and then they made it last year. So that, that that's three conference finals they made. Yeah. And you you would think a team like that with all those with all that young core that they have would get over the hump and, over the hump. And this was a team that had depth like you said joe like they, they lack the depth now they had that they had one of the best benches in the league they had marcus morris uh, and uh marcus smart coming off the bench they they had a ton of guys they had a really really deep roster this is it they beat the warriors in the regular season that year the warriors well, what they didn't they had like a, a home uh winning streak they beat them at golden state th- that year this was a really really good team it was uh 
pretty uh, honestly, it was probably the benchmark of the East, and they just simply haven't been able to get to the finals. And it's re- it's really surprising that now they're five hundred, and it's almost halfway into the season, and they and the, it's it's really surprising to me. Keith, before you mention anything uh, about this, right? They were the one. Think about this. They were the one seed with uh, when they had Isaiah Thomas, right? They were the one seed when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were were little kids when they were twenty and nineteen years old. And as these guys are getting better, the team is getting worse. How does that happen? How? You fail to build a because actual contender. Danny Ainge is a moron. That's why, bro. He's a moron. He's well, he, has a, he has a trade exception sitting there right now. And if he does not do anything with it this year, he has to get fired. It, 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 it's, um, it's pretty crazy. Like I think, too, the Celtics won game seven in the semifinals against the Raptors. If they didn't make the conference finals last year, I think a lot more people would be scratching their head on Danny Ainge and on how real the Celtics really are. But they've, they're have they a team that performed in the playoffs these past couple of years. I think that's what's partly saved his job so far. Like you could, you, he can argue team young and we look how far we made it. Now it, it's getting to the point where you have to start, you have to start getting over the hump and getting to the finals. And if you look at the East now, I feel like he had his best chance last year playing the Heat in the, in the conference finals. Now there's multiple teams in the East that you could probably say are better than the Celtics. Sixers are better. Milwaukee's better. Brooklyn's better. Uh, and and they're, there's they're floating that, in. They're floating in the territory with Indiana right now. Like yeah, they're uh, yeah they're in there as yep. second tier contenders rather than the first tier contenders. Yep, ex- ex- exactly, and I can even see Indiana being competitive with them in a series. It, it's it's definitely. Uh, it's kind of mind-boggling too. Like Boston lost Tom Brady, they lost Mookie Betts, and now they can't. They they just can't seem to get on the right right track. And then he's four besides hockey, but it is what it is. They're on the Houston wave. Yeah, story <laughs> too. That's don't yeah. cheat. What happens? Is there anyone? Yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap it up here? Uh, Joe, you, I know you want to talk about. There are some. There are some other surprising teams that don't really get talked about that much. Uh, I think we all have to address the elephant in the room, which is the number one seed, number one seed Utah Jazz. Dude, I don't know how that team is twenty. They're literally twenty-two and five. Twenty-three they, and five. Oh, sorry. Who who they beat? Um, who was the last game they played? Sixers. Yeah, and Jordan. Clark, they were losing, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow, they're actually gonna lose finally. Jordan Clarkson had forty, bro. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like. I mean, obviously, I don't think the Jazz are going to win a finals or anything, but I feel like having a regular season like this, like, it just – it builds your confidence when you get to playoff time. So, like, let's say that the Lakers do end up playing the Clippers in the second round. I don't see a way that the Jazz – like, I would say that the Jazz would definitely make the conference finals in that case. You the, way could, they're you, playing, the way that they're playing right now, I don't think that – I don't know if another team you, beats them. You could even say that – if the Lakers were to lose to the Clippers, you might give the Jazz a puncher's chance in making the finals. Yeah, I don't know. I like uh, the Lakers and the Clippers. I, I think this Jazz team has been impressive. I think Quinn Schneider should be the front runner for coach of the year. Oh, yeah, but, for sure. But it, it gives me Atlanta Hawks vibes when they were the number one seed and LeBron was in the East with them. They had five all-stars. That were, I think it was the whole starting lineup, right? They won like 60 games. They obviously didn't make the finals. I, I can see the Lakers, the Clippers, and I can even see like a team like Denver being better than 
Utah still. And I know they're impressive. I know they have a good defense, but I'm, I'm just not buying it. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think this is uh, one of those number one seeds that just simply have a good regular season come playoff time. They're, they're not a finals team. Yeah, well, I mean, like I, like you mentioned, the Hawks got to the conference finals and they lost to LeBron. I mean, I could see the same exact thing happening to the Jazz. That's, the that's, yeah, that's probably their peak, I'd say. Conference finals, lose to LeBron or lose to a Clippers. Clippers. Yeah. I mean, I think that the way the Nuggets have been playing this year, I don't have any faith in them. I think that Jamal Murray was – you know – I didn't want uh, – like, I, I'm not a big Jamal Murray guy, but, like, the way he played in the playoffs was really, really impressive. But he just has not done that this year. Like, he, he has not been good this year. Um, uh, another team that should be spoken about, in my opinion, is the Suns. The Suns, even though they lost to the Nets, which, by the way, Keith, I mean, we don't, we didn't mention it at all, but that was – a very impressive okay, win. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to mention it. It's okay. We can move on. <laughs> it, was, it was a really impressive win. It was, it was definitely an impressive win, but should not take away from how impressive the Suns have been and how, how important and underrated, I think, that Chris Paul trade is currently. It, it was really well talked about when it happened in the offseason, but I think everybody just has forgotten about the Suns. Bro, Chris Paul goes from team to team, and he just makes every team better. Yeah. It's 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 insane. It's remarkable. Yeah, and this was a Suns team that was trending upwards when the bubble started. They went eight and zero. Somehow didn't make the playing game. Don't ask me how that makes sense, Adam Silver. But they're seventeen and ten right now. They have the same record as the Trailblazers, who we also thought underachieved last year up until the bubble. So these are two teams that really are showing who, their true colors. I think they are four or five C teams. I think they're in the right seeds. I think they're going to play like this for the whole year. They're going to be Middle of the pack, they're gonna be tough outs in the playoffs. Chris Paul teams always are. That's the that. Portland Trailblazers will always be a tough out in the playoffs. I couldn't agree more, Keith. And 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 speaking of of that, and going back to the Jazz, the Trailblazers and the Suns that are fourth and fifth seed right now. Uh, obviously, if things go the way they should in the playoffs, Jazz would they probably would. match up with one of those two teams. Yeah. And 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 just talking about Portland, they've won five in a row and. The Knicks were the ones who did give them that wake-up call. The Knicks beat them. They won five in a row after that. But you know what's it, funny, Sal? What I think before before that, with the Jazz on their long run, I think the Jazz last loss was a, was to the Nets, and then they won like what nineteen straight or something like that. So apparently, <laughs> New York likes to give some wake-up calls to teams in the West. Yeah, and and, and even just looking at the Trailblazers Suns matchup, if again, I'm not saying this isn't this is how it's going to be in the playoffs, but as of right now, say the winner of that Trailblazers Suns Sun series, then they play Utah. I could totally see one of those two teams knocking off the Jazz too. Like I'm again, I'm not trying to hate on the Jazz here, but I I just don't see this team scaring anybody as a one seed. I just don't. Yeah, so I agree actually as like a whole on that. I think that yes, the Jazz are a good team, but they are not a dominant one seed. They are a very well put together team. But if not, if everything doesn't go perfectly in a seven-game series for them, they could easily lose in the first round, the second round. Yeah, and, maybe, and, not the, maybe not the first round, but the second round definitely could be the round where they lose. Looking at it, a second-round matchup, if Utah was the first seed, it might be the biggest best value bet of the playoffs to take the winner of that 4-5 matchup against yep. Utah if the, if the teams are right. 
for sure. I mean, I believe in the Jazz. Whatever. You guys don't have to. You believe in the Jazz, but I think if you go back to, like, our second or third episode, you didn't have them making the playoffs, so. Did I actually not have them making the playoffs? I think I, you had them as, like, an eighth seed. I had them at eighth. Yeah, that, probably, but, yeah. We were all not that high on the Jazz. They completely surprised us. I'll give them their credit. Yeah. But yeah, if we weren't high on them back then, and I know they have a really good record now, has it changed that much to the point where you could say, oh, this team is our title contenders? It just it, – it, no, I wouldn't say the title contenders. It just, like, su- surprises me kind of when I'm not – you know, like I said against the Sixers, I was like, ah, oh, the Sixers might beat them, whatever. And, then, like, I forget. They played another good team a couple of days ago, and I was like, oh, they might beat them too. And they just keep winning these games. So, I mean, I'm just giving them a little bit of uh, – showing them a little bit of love. I just, I just fear they might be peaking too early too, you know. And that's okay. why some of these teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, next week we will have the All Star voting. Uh, should be in. Yeah. And, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and pitchers and catchers have reported today, so hopefully we'll have some news next week. Um, but yeah, that's it for this show. Uh, hope you guys have a good one, and we'll see you next week. See you guys.